Welcome to The Lisa Show. This is a special edition. It is our book club. We are reading the book, More Than a Body, and we are deep into the book. This is part one of chapter five, and I'm really excited because we have new friends of The Lisa Show here um, with us today. And I will pause and say that if you're listening to the podcast, thank you, first of all, very much. (laughs) And second of all, if you would like to um, watch this conversation, you can hop over to YouTube where you can also see sections of this podcast as well for this lively book club discussion. Without further ado, I want to have my guests introduce themselves. Today we have... Hi, I'm Alex. Uh, You can also call me Sassy. Uh, My blog is called Sassy Confetti, um, and I'm a body positive uh, influencer. um, And I have a podcast about dating while plus size called Swipe Fat. Um, So I talk a lot about being comfortable in your body, um, whether that's in your everyday life or while dating. Um, But I also talk a lot about fitness and working out um, and feeling comfortable in those spaces. Wonderful. And we also have... Hi, I'm Stephanie Michelle, and I am a binge eating recovery and body image coach. Um, I struggled myself uh, for over two decades with uh, disordered eating and a poor relationship with food and my body and exercise. And then, um, when I recovered, became a coach and I now have my own podcast, uh, with, I co-host it's called life after diets. And we talk about living a life, um, post dieting and post trying to control and micromanage food and our body size. Well, awesome. Uh, we were just chatting a little bit before we started the podcast just about how I, um, my pr- other producers, we stumbled on your um, accounts and all the good things that they're doing. And I thought, oh, th- this would be so wonderful to have a discussion about this book, More Than a Body, with people who are living and act- actively working towards making things better, not just for themselves, but for others. And so I really appreciate your time with this. And I want to just dive right in to chapter five. Um, and it is called Reclaiming Health and Fitness for Yourself. And right off the bat, and I would love to start our discussion here, it talks about this idea of health, right? And it seems and I have certainly found this in preparing the podcast uh, f- about body image, it, that you can't talk about the body and body positivity or even neutrality without bringing up the idea of health or what it does mean, even the definition. And people cannot really um, come to the same place even just to have a healthy discussion about it. So how do you determine whether a person is healthy or fit? That's the first question in the the uh, chapter and all things considered with your experience and with reading this book, what do you think? Even yeah. the words like, oh, sorry. No, ahead, now we're both like, ahead, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. It feels yeah. real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, No, even the words like healthy and fit to me are so different just because I spent so long in an unhealth with, with poor mental health that and I was so focused on being, on being healthy in my body and being fit as a look and as an aesthetic over anything else to the complete neglect of my mental health. And having found that after so many years of that being completely absent and not even something I was interested in really. I, I was willing to sacrifice my mental health for fitness and for uh, my body to look a certain way. Um, to me, that is the first thing that I think about when I think about health, because it was, um, something I, 
I, I just can't take it for granted anymore. So, um, and with fitness being something that I think also can apply to mental health, like there's an element of that as well, but just deconstructing the link between health equals a look that's something that is, it, I think that's what's so hard to wrap your head around sometimes. Like it is sold to us as an aesthetic, not as a, a way of being or a way of feeling. Ooh, yeah. It, it seems uh, like it's uh, sold to us 100%. sometimes like by that uh, perfectionism, right? Yes. I think, I mean, as a plus size woman, I think like automatically people look at you and assume that you're not healthy. Um, because you're plus size. When I personally um, look at health as like a bigger picture, like what is happening inside your body, you can't really see it on the outside, right? So it's your, like, is your cholesterol high? Do you have like, what's your blood pressure like? Um, You know, can those type of things, those are markers that I think you can actually test someone's health by. And it's not by just looking at someone. Right. So I think like a lot of times um, there's these like preconceived notions, especially on social media, where people will look at you um, on your profile and be like, well, she must be eating like 20 burgers a day to look like that. When I think, you know, that's not the case. And, um, you know, I do work out and I eat the way that I eat, but it's, it is, it wasn't, it is what it is. Right. Right. Um, And like my doctor would say, I'm healthy. Yeah, it's an interesting but discussion. I'm overweight based right. on BMI and over those things, you know what I mean? Well, and sometimes we use it to weaponize or to you know, eat certain behaviors or um to sell things, too. I think. Yes. And and I I appreciate this chapter when they really get into it of just like there's an incredibly it's incredibly difficult to feel positively about your body when you're judging it based on your looks. It is incredibly difficult to feel positively about your health when you are judging it based on its looks. And I thought that was an interesting idea about when we feel healthy um, versus like, am I healthy? Check mark. It's done. And, and that's an interesting idea. What are your thoughts on that? You don't yeah. have room to... You don't have room to get into your body or to eat or to stay there when you're constantly bringing yourself back to like third person spectator of yourself, which is how we essentially, that's what we're just always objectifying, right? So if, if I used to um, walk and run and I would feel great afterwards, I would like feel, you know, you just get the runner, runner's oh, yeah. high and I would feel, I would go for walks with my mom and we would chat and it would feel great. And then I would come home. And I would look in the mirror and see a body that did not, did not resemble someone that should feel good about themselves um, or, you know, that it didn't seem like I was someone who ran or who went, you know, who, who moved. And so automatically, like it stole the right for me to feel like I felt well because mm-hmm. I didn't look like I felt well. And that those two things, just the imagery that we're fed is we don't understand health as a feeling. It's not given to us like that. It's, it's, it's from like, I mean, I grew up in the eighties and nineties and like those magazines, I mean, that are just like, they will, they're just imprinted in my mind. And that's, that was the sell. And to your point about how it sells things, I mean, how many businesses would go out of business if we decided that we weren't going to, you know, objectify ourselves anymore. Um, But this first person living is, 
is like, it has been such a game changer for me as far as understanding what health is and what fitness is and um, what matters about it um, by staying inside of myself looking out rather than thinking about myself being looked at. Oh, wow. I thought it was really interesting when they interviewed like some of the people that they talk about in the book who are talking about if they're like fit or Mm -hmm. healthy. Um, and they're like saying like, no, I'm not, but you know, I, I go, I work out four times a week and yeah. you know, I try to eat salads, but yeah, I wouldn't say I'm fit. Like that's what these people are saying. And I, I was like, wow. I mean, I'm sure I talked like that too, before I had my journey of like understanding, like to treat myself better, you know, or yeah. coming to that mental health space of like, um, you don't deserve to be talked to like that by yourself. Right. Um, but yeah, that that was mind blowing. Cause I was like, I think all most people I know think that about themselves. Right. Isn't that crazy that when you can say mm-hmm. most people that, you know, don't feel like that they're perfectly healthy or d- don't really talk positively to themselves about their body. I mean, that's a major problem. I-, I thought it was so interesting when they talked about the research around the BMI, the body mass index and why it was yeah. created. And it was just created as a really fast, easy way to assess health. But I don't think that when they created it, they really anticipated that we would take it to heart. But like, how could we not, <laughs> right? And and all the stories like you were saying in the interviews about how people were like, well, we're different, you know? Like we're, it didn't even put into consideration disability, chronic illness, disease, uh, capacity for experiencing health, um, and the things that are not in your control at all. And right. that kind of exception, uh, you know, like being the exception makes you feel so like isolated, right? And lonely and further, like I think puts you into a shame cycle about your your body. And I'm wondering if that there is like a better way for us to talk about our health then, you know, a, a way that is is more encouraging for good habits without shame. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I absolutely do. I know like growing up, um, I was, I went through puberty really early. So I was like 10 when I got my period and um, I started gaining a lot of weight because, you know, you're turning into a woman. Um, but the doctors were basically like, you need to be on a diet. Um, be, and I was 10, yeah, you know, so like, like, plus it was all based on BMI and they were kind of like, you are, sh- you know, you're five, two, you need to be 120 pounds. And I was like, I'm not sure that that's physically possible. Um, being like, I, I've never been that weight like ever. I think I was like 140 or something. And I was like, just, you know, my whole high school career, I just remember being like, I need to get to 120. I need to get to 120. And it's such a, like a, it's an arbitrary number based off of not, they didn't even base those, those numbers BMI off of women. Like oh, I know. Men. Yeah. That was another like eye-opening piece of information that, yeah, it's all based on men's health white men too yeah. so it's white not men, even like, right yeah like you're not even taking into account anyone but and in the when was it built like in the 1800s i forget the day, actual day oh i can't remember but it's like everyone year, yeah i can't remember the year but yeah it's like cha- everything has changed so much and we're still basing it on those numbers that are like really physically impossible to get to for most people i thought it was so interesting in the book too that it's connecting <laughs> <I'm> sorry <laughs> It didn't fall. 
that it's connecting this idea of health and you think, okay, so health and uh, what does that mean? You know, uh, how, how much do we really care about health? Well, this health and wellness um, society that we have, right, and this industry that is giving us all of this information can be very, very damaging. And the result isn't just like, oh, just think whatever you want. It's no, it's like a constant bombardment so much that on page 214, it said at least 30 million people of all ages and genders suffer with eating disorders in the U.S. And eating disorders have the highest mortality rate of any mental illness, with one person dying every hour as a direct result of an eating disorder. Um, I think that is a very sobering statistic. When you say, oh, it doesn't matter. It's it, also, it does. it's sneakier now because of the wellness factor. So I think that like where diet culture and weight, weight and diet, yeah. dieting were sort of like the eating disorder um, I don't know. That that was what eating disorders seem to be centered around. And now we can hide it all behind wellness. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and I, this is something that I went through as well. I thought I was, um, I kind of used it as a crutch and really it was just a, it was completely a translation of my eating disorder into orthorexia. Um, and I know this, this particular chapter doesn't go into the nutritional side of it mm-hmm. so much, but it was, it's all a package. It's like the, the fitness and the, and the nutrition, the clean eating and, the goal becoming to be like this um, perfectly healthy person that is impo- the standards of which are impossible to reach. And it's always a moving target, just like weight was, you mm-hmm. know, it's the same thing, different story. And that beca- that is such a nest for eating disorder behaviors because it incl- there's black and white thinking involved. There's perfectionism. Um, there's obsession, there's extremism and all of those things. And so, um, I think eating disorders are probably becoming, I mean, it's easier, I think, to hide it now than it potentially used to be yeah, because I think you can claim in this. Yeah. It's socially acceptable. It's socially acceptable right. to have certain kinds of eating disorders. Like you can, to the fact that you can talk about them openly as a way to say, hey, I'm doing this for my health. This is how I'm eating or what I'm eating or what I'm not eating or what I'm eating. And um, and I love what you say on page 215. It said, um, the wellness culture, it, you know, seeing it for what it is, a dangerous con that seduces smart women with pseudoscientific claims of increasing energy, reducing inflammation, lowering the risk of cancer and healing skin, gut and fertility problems. Problems, but at its core, wellness is about weight loss, and um, and <laughs> that thin is healthy, and healthy is thin. So yeah, this idea yeah, yeah. that it's interesting that you see that in the work that you do. I see it, and I was I lived that. I mean, I I got caught in that loop as well, and um, it's like fasting, you know the. For a while, what was it? Conscious fasting. Uh, that was like a, a buzzword from, yeah. I, I don't know if we're naming names here, but, uh, you know, like the celebrities that were endorsing conscious fasting as like, it was this like way to be. And it's really just a glorified eating disorder um, that was like, yeah, it was just cloaked under um, fast, you know, this new trendy thing to, trendy way to eat to, you know, to, to maintain maximal health. So, Alex, I'm curious, when you talk on your um, social media about fitness, um, what are some of the, the ways that you are trying to redefine health in a, in a broad way? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's about um, trying to 
be more conscious about what makes me feel good. And because I do think that there is like kind of this within fat liberation, there's almost this like, um, like if you are trying to be healthy or you, and there's so many, it's so cloaked in all this, right? So it's like trying to be healthy. Like, what does that actually mean? Um, You know, if you're doing anything that isn't like explicitly being like, and if everything is fine, uh, like you can just be who you are. So let's say like me working out sometimes, um, body positive content creators think that that's like not even okay to like talk about because it's like putting pressure on someone else oh, interesting. Um, to maybe do that too. Yeah. Um, for me, it's just about my lifestyle and what makes me feel good. And I talk about it as like a mental health thing, but like sometimes I don't even like afterwards working out, I'm like, uh, I don't, I could have done without that. Like that wasn't my favorite thing. Right. I did it. But am I like happy I did it? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> now, you know, sometimes it's like, I'm not like, it didn't bring me a lot of joy. And I think that's what a lot of people say that like exercising for them brings them a lot of joy. Sometimes for me, it doesn't. And that's okay too. Right. right. Um, so I think it's just being really open and honest about all of that stuff. And it's mm-hmm. sort of like, we're allowed to be in those spaces if you want to be in those spaces. And I think for a lot of plus size women, it's that they're scared to because they don't want to be made fun of um, for trying to work out. Um, or, you know, doing something wrong or that an instructor is going to be like judging you. Um, So I think it's more that I try to talk about that, like, it's okay to want to be in those spaces if you want to be in those spaces. Yeah, and that we. But all if you don't want to be in those spaces, that's fine. Yeah, it's so yeah. interesting. <laughs> well, and and you both mentioned too that the the target of what is healthy or what the ideal is is always changing, and that's something that they talk about in chapter five as well about like you sort of are monitoring your beauty performance or health or whatever that means, but you notice that it's changing, and I certainly have noticed that over the decades um, of of being a woman in the United States, that that what was once in style, like, and I'm talking body types or body shapes yeah. or tr- have those yeah. trends have changed. And then even in talking to my daughters about like, oh, I wish my body looked like this. It was not what my friends and I were talking about when we were their age. So that also is a weird thing. How do you, how do you address that when you're talking about health or what did you think about that in the book? Yeah, I mean, I think that's it's it's like weird right now because the '90s and aughts are like coming back, yeah. right? So um, these like body types of like what I think of that were popular back then was like you know the Kate Moss yeah. and the super super cocaine chic bodies that you know I was trying to be, which was like literally impossible for my body to do, which is it's yeah. just like hard and scary. That that's like kind of coming back in. Well, and also the name, like the cocaine fashion. chic. Like you're like, yeah, the, an illegal drug. Like, <laughs> wait, what? Right. And like, I thought we got why past were that. we like, yeah, that's what we want. <laughs> um, yeah. But those are like the fashion trends that are coming back too, like low rise jeans and crop tops and all of that stuff. And I think I'm luckily like with Instagram and TikTok and stuff, you're seeing more bodies wearing more of those items. And it's like, okay to be the body that you are wearing those things. Um, But I do think that the conversation is tending to trend towards that scary thing where it's like, thin is better. Um, 
And before, like you said, it was sort of this, like the Kardashians were making things like, okay, you can have a butt. That's great. Curves are awesome. We like that. Thick. We all want to be thick, right? Um, and but then the Kardashians took their butts yeah, out. Seriously, yeah, yeah. so weird. Which Even is such a just weird like thing recent to years. Say, but I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I know. So weird that we know this. <laughs> I know. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Like a hundred like years, if you out. would have said that, they would be like, "They what? <laughs> what are you? Talking what are you guys about? doing yeah. with your bodies in in the twenty first century? We don't know. Anyway. <laughs> but the turnover is so fast now yeah. because I feel like the yeah. Kardashians, it wasn't that long ago that butts were coming back. And I was like, great. And then they were suddenly like in a flash, they were gone. To me, it's like, it's, it becomes exhausting after a certain amount of time. And I think that's maybe the benefit of age a little bit because 100%. I've watched that so much. And it's like, I can't, I can't keep up if I wanted to anymore. Like I just, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. have the energy for this. Yeah. I don't have the time. I don't have the interest in it anymore. Like, and that's, to me, I, I feel like that's kind of, what I'm hoping, I almost hope that this whole thing exhausts itself. To, like it gets so ridiculous that it just becomes too exhausting and people yeah, that decide. that it just spins like, and spins and spins anymore. in cycles that everyone's like, wait, what are yeah. we doing? I'm going to get off. Like, never mind. This is too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting too that they, you know, all of these like before and after photos yeah. that, that we do. And when we talk about health and reclaiming that health and fitness, I mean, it really is just like, reclaiming your body or reclaiming beauty because the before and the afters are really, really seductive, aren't they? Like we see them everywhere and we get praised for it. And they're bef- and it's so interesting because um, they said, you know, in the book, Lexi and Lindsay said, you know, your before will be someone else's after. Your after will be someone else's before. Like no one really wins on this scale of comparison. <laughs> yeah. It's just I think weird. that's so true. Especially because like sometimes uh, like from I like, you know, I am I think like saying the word fat is okay. I know that not everybody agrees with that, but um, you know, it's a descriptor for me. Like fat is just a descriptor description of something, right? And so like I'm in a plus size body, I'm fat, right? But when someone says like, I feel fat today. Like, that bothers me, right? It's almost like that before and after thing because it's like, well, you can't, it's not a feeling. Like, it's an actual description. And I am that. And by you saying that, it's like you're being like, well, oh gosh, I'm so glad I'm not like you. I just feel like that today. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, and it's like that same thing of that before and after where it's hmm. sort of like, I'm so glad I don't look like you. Um, but, you know... <laughs> Like, right. It's it, like, it, okay. We can only find our joy in comparing to other people. It's it, it's yeah. so tricky yeah. because then how do you have real, like, connection with people if you're in, comp- in constant competition with them, you know? It's like you miss out on so much. I or thought it was interesting. Yourself. Oh, go oh, ahead. Sorry, sorry. I was just going to say I thought it was interesting because they were, like, Lindsay and Lexi, the authors of the book, um, compare themselves to each other. so often in it because, you know, they're twins. So they were like, oh, I'm the skinnier one now. Or, you know, like I'm going to work out more so that I'm thinner. And to be able to like look at yourself, like a a carbon copy of yourself and be like, oh man, that's what I could look like. That to me was like my muggling of this. Mm. And what I really took away from the book was just like how crazy that would be for your mental health and how they had to like 
get out of that. But yeah, uh, nuts. Yeah, what a challenge to do that. And a unique perspective. Mm-hmm. Very. Yeah, definitely. Stephanie, you were to me, say? it's also like, um, yeah, it, it's also comparing even your own before to your after, right? Like it's, it's still some rejection of self too. Mm-hmm. It's like saying like that version yeah. of me wasn't good enough and isn't like, that's something I'm not proud of, but here's where I am proud. And it's still to me sad because it's like saying that I wasn't good enough then. And if I yeah. ever return to that yeah. place, I won't be good enough again. Um, to me, it's like this self-betrayal as well. Like Ooh, when you see yeah. those. That's such a good point. That is such a good about point. That. You know, it's interesting too, because I think with health, a lot of times now, or a trend that I'm noticing is how it's connected to aging, right? So like as I get mm-hmm. older and I see, well, you just want to stay healthy. Oh, you look really healthy and stuff. A lot of times it really is um, associated with with thinness and that's what you're praised for. And it's kind of sad because I think, so I'm going to be in my 70s worried about how much I weigh. What? Like that this was going to be like a theme in yeah. my life. Like something that I thought my about. My grandma was. <laughs> isn't that, doesn't that blow your mind? She was like eating cottage cheese until her death. Yeah. <laughs> so like my not gain weight. Yeah. I know. Don't you think we should just be better, (laughs) do better? Yeah, (laughs) and not care. (laughs) And again, it's not like an an excuse for like gluttony because that's not honoring your body. But but the extreme opposite is not honoring your body. Like it's just it's almost like we only know how to talk about it in extremes. And so I thought it was really interesting. Um, that that in this chapter, when it's like it it says reclaiming health, right, and fitness for yourself of um, on two thirty says visual appear is absolutely not the best way to evaluate health, and it talked about the the goal. No matter what your your goal is, that there are so many other things to think about. Like you were saying earlier about like your mental health and um, illness and life circumstances and things like that. That we pretend like our health like exists in a vacuum or something like that. Like everything's going great and now you can focus on your health. And I don't know anybody who just goes through life like where everything's always going great. So, uh, you know, this, this, we're so hard on ourselves. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I still am. I, like I mean, I yes. think it's, <laughs> yes, that's the answer. That's it. Um, that's it. I we're mean, so I'm, hard on ourselves. <laughs> Well, I I get really, I'm really hard on myself if I like fall off the wagon. Um, That to me is like failure. And, you know, if like I don't go to the gym for like three months, um, I get like really disappointed in myself. Right. And I'm like, well, how do I get back in it and consistent and, you know, like where I feel good about myself. Um, And I think for me, that's like more so goals of like, getting there, you know, two or three times a week. But if I don't, like being kinder to myself because it's like, yeah, sometimes you're busy and that's the thing that you had to not do that week, you know? Because there's other priorities. So Stephanie, when you're having a, a difficult body image day, then how do you speak to yourself? If you would ask me that question 
for most of my life. I mean, the, I used to talk to myself in a way that I like embarrasses me a little bit. It was just like cruel. And there was just no tolerance for, my, for myself. Just, it was, there was no compassion involved at all. And I also, compassion to me used to make me feel like, um, icky. Like I, I just didn't identify kind of eye rolled at compassion because, I just didn't grow up in like the kind of place where like talking to myself sweetly or kindly or gently was part of the norm. So it was really hard for me to think about addressing my self-talk in a way that were like through compassion, like that whole concept to me was strange. So the way that I actually found self-compassion was through more of like, I don't know if you've ever um, read Kristen Neff's work, but she is like the guru of self-compassion. She talks about fierce self-compassion and it's just like more of a matter of fact, like you just can't, I'm just not going to bully myself this way. It's just a no tolerance policy for that. Um, and to me, that was something, I, that's something I, I identified with more. So when I catch myself trying to make myself feel bad, badly about something, it's more about like, no, no, no. I, it, like I, there's more of a protective instinct that comes along to, to say, like, you can have an opinion. You can have an opinion about the way you look. You can feel disappointed that you haven't been working out or whatever it might be. That's all valid, but you may, you cannot disrespect yourself. And that to me is like drawing this line. And that's how I live. That is how my self-talk looks now. Um, and I usually can also find a reason for why it's happening. Like to Alex's point that life gets busy, like we're yeah. not robots. No, so yeah. there's seasons in life and there's ups and downs and ebbs and flows. So I, I'm kind of like, yeah, that makes sense to me that that's where I'm at right now. So I can understand it's not like a character flaw. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, to me, that's what the book is really, especially this chapter is really advocating for is this reclaiming of it. And and you have both done that in such positive ways. And so I really appreciate you sharing your perspective. So thank you for joining us for part one of chapter five of More Than a Body on the Lisa Shows Book Club. I hope that you'll join us next time for part two of chapter five. Mm-hmm.